This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You are going to hear 70,000 strong chatting your name, chatting The Rock's name, Hulk Hogan. You will see the people's elbow come crashing down on your chest. And Hogan, above all else, above all else, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will, good God Almighty, you will smell what The Rock is. This is a WrestleMania moment. On March 17, 2002, you can circle that date on your calendar. Because I can tell you it's going to be a day that I'm never going to forget. But frankly, a match I thought I would never, ever see. And welcome in to WrestleMania Rewind, part of the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Phil Mackey, Declan Goff, a couple of wrestling nerds, and uh, we, over the last few months, hat tip to our guy, Rami Makhlouf, for starting this segment on Score North Live. Back about five months ago, we are taking you through a journey through the majority of WrestleManias. At some point, we will detour into other pay-per-views. But we have made it, Declan, to WrestleMania 18. It's amazing. Inside Toronto Skydome, the second Toronto Skydome WrestleMania, WrestleMania 6, which is one of my favorites, Ultimate yeah, Warrior and Hulk Hogan. In fact, you could argue two of Hulk Hogan's three biggest moments at WrestleMania have come inside Toronto Skydome. That's right. Actually, his two biggest high-profile losses have come yeah, inside both Toronto Skydome. March 17, 2002, as good old JR said, St. Patty's Day, one of the earlier, if not the earliest, WrestleManias ever. Usually it's hmm. the last week in March or early in uh, April. 68,000 fans, and there's so much to get into on this one including the fact that this was the last WWF-branded WrestleMania until right. they went into the WWE branding because they were sued by the World Wildlife Foundation, <laughs> which is hilarious. This is also the last WrestleMania before the brand split when they eventually went SmackDown and Raw as separate brands. But in the setup here, before we get to some of the matches and the iconic showdown between The Rock and Hulk Hogan, NWO Hulk Hogan, I'm going to read you through some of the lead-up and the build-up. The main event was Triple H versus Chris Jericho, with Stephanie McMahon having left, well, actually it was Triple H who left Stephanie in the storyline, and then Stephanie shacked up with Chris Jericho, which is hilarious. And you and I were both talking off microphone. We were very fond of Stephanie McMahon. I, I love 2000s. me some uh, some Steph McMahon. I believe her uh, moniker was The Bitch is Back, and I'm, uh, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan 
of, of Miss McMahon. Would you she's, let she's Stephanie great. McMahon put you in a sharpshooter or a rear naked chokehold? 100%. No <laughs> problem with that. No problem with that. Yeah, I had a crush on her in the early 2000s for sure. Oh, everyone did. So Triple H tore his quad on May 21st, 2001. That's right. And this was terrible timing for a number of different reasons. Not the least of which was the invasion storyline was about to really throttle down, and one of the top stars in the WWF at the time, Triple H, was going to be out for eight months with this quad injury. He tore it on Monday Night Raw and then actually finished the match. It was a tag match with Stone Cold against, I think, Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho. And he even let, with a fully torn quad off the bone, he let Chris Jericho put him in the walls of Jericho in the match. Just excruciating pain. And and some doctors told him and surgeons that he would potentially never wrestle again and that like walking again would be the goal for him. So he was out for the rest of 2001, and he was a heel at the time. He comes back in January of 2001 at Madison Square Garden and cuts a great promo and then kicks Kurt Angle's ass up and down. And and he's talked a lot about how like he didn't know how the fans were going to react. They reacted well. He turned into a good guy. And then he wins the uh, the following Royal Rumble later on in January of 2001, and part of that storyline was he was married, storyline married to Stephanie. They didn't actually get married until like 2003. I think they were dating in real life at the time of this. And there was some like, there was some back and forth and like the marriage was kind of on the rocks in January of 2001 storyline. And Stephanie said, well, we should renew our marriage vows to like re-spark this thing. And Triple H at first was like, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Classic. And then she said, well, I'm pregnant. Yeah. And and lured him in. Well, it turns out she was faking a pregnancy. <laughs> it's such a good one. And so Triple H winds up. This is so ridiculous. So I'm reading this from Wikipedia. So to to further prove that she was pregnant, the two met a doctor on the next episode of SmackDown with ultrasound images. On the February 11th episode of Raw, just before the wedding, Triple H was met with a phone call by his mother-in-law, Linda McMahon, who had sent him a videotape revealing that the doctor was in fact an actor and that Stephanie was not pregnant. Yeah. At the wedding, Triple H turned on Stephanie and attacked her along with her father, Mr. McMahon, saying that their marriage was now over. <laughs> it is. I watched that promo within the last like three or four months, ironically, uh, and it is one of the better smackdowns before the brand split. It, it is okay. absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it's like, I just think that's hilarious. Oh, it's great. So so Triple H comes back, immediately divorces on, on storyline anyways, Stephanie McMahon, and then gets into this feud with Chris Jericho. And that sets up the main event. You also had Undertaker versus Ric Flair. We'll go through the matches in a second. Uh, but, the, but the biggest match that probably should have been the main event when you look at it should have been The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. Right. So you had... You had The Rock and Stone Cold both feuding with the NWO, which had made its return, again, after the Invasion storylines. Like, mm-hmm. So the Invasion storyline is missing Triple H, Hulk Hogan, the rest of NWO. Just Yeah, it, they botched it. We talked about that last week. They totally bought it. It could have been awesome. And I think there's still, you know, there's, there, there's parts that are cool about it, but it definitely was botched. It yes. 100% was botched. Yep, and uh, I don't know. The, I think it's the only way to not have botched it is to have paid those big guarantee contracts that right. Ted Turner, you know, the, those guys had the option of you can make the same amount of money and just sit out, or you can void the contracts, sign with WWF for less money, and the and the big guns decide to sit out. So your dark match for this WrestleMania was <laughs> Albert Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati against Lance Storm, Mr. Perfect, and Test. In a six-man tag match with Jacqueline as the special guest referee, um, the team of Albert, Rikishi, and Scotty Tuhati won that match. 
You had your guy, Rob Van Dam, oh, beating William yes. Regal for the Intercontinental Championship. My guy. Yep. I William Regal back to back Intercontinental Championship yeah. matches here at WrestleMania. He, uh, you know, what, Regal is interesting. I feel like uh, when I used to crap on Bob Backlund, always like somehow sneaking into every WrestleMania, like 20 years past his prime. I don't like feel like that's the same with William Regal because obviously Bob Backlund was like a very decorated championship and and, and Regal was a decorated wrestler and real, real well respected. He's also way younger than you would have thought. Yeah, and he had a hum- horrible drinking problem from what I I remember too. So so I, I I just feel like he somehow sneaks into these little title matches here and there and it, it's it's great that RVD was 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 there and able to win the championship. But I I have, I have a lot of comparisons i feel like to william regal and bob yeah. backlund in these big matches man, rvd uh, wasn't the greatest on the microphone but man that guy could perform in the ring he i i really think they wasted him uh, i mean he was the man at ecw and was a very good wrestler and the only real like he, he was obviously the best of the second tier like he, he never really until he got the wwe title and they basically just gave him to him for a month, and they had some substance abuse problems. They suspend him. So, like, his one shining moment is the ECW one-night stand where they come back, and he beats John Cena with Edge helping him out. Yeah, Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah, it's awesome. It's one of the. It's honestly one of the better pay-per-views. But then, like, he's only championed for a month, and then he's completely out of the company, I think, like six weeks later. Yeah. So it's just like, man, from 01 to 04, like, you kind of wasted this great prime of RVD. What's he doing now? Uh, he made it. I think he wasn't in this last year's Royal Rumble. But I think he was in 2018 or 19 as a as like a guest entrance for the, okay. for the Royal That's Rumble. Right, I do remember that. But I don't know what he what he's been up to since. I I feel like he might be, he might even be in Japan. Dude, he could hit. You know, a lot of times guys who have these off the top rope moves like Jeff Hardy with the Swanton. Yeah, the opponent has to position themselves perfectly on the mat, or <laughs> the move doesn't work. Yeah, RVD would hit that frog splash from any angle, anywhere. And like wherever the guy was laying, he would just right. adjust the frog splash in the air, and he would get so much air. Like most people, just kind of like just fall on the you know, Eddie Guerrero and even like D'Lo Brown. They used to just kind of like fall from the top rope. No, like Rob Van Dam would full on vertical himself up yeah. and pump him and boom and go for that frog, frog splash, man. It was Amazing. awesome. And, and even, and last thing on him, like I think even like Wrestler Observer, because I was doing a Wikipedia dive on him yesterday, like they ranked him as the number one wrestler in 01 and yeah. 02. So like, and, and, and that's was, was considering everything. That was him in ECW, not really in WWF towards the end of 2001 after the invasion storyline. So I, re- I really think they, they wasted him because he was a humongous fan favorite. You're, you're right that he couldn't cut a promo to save his life. And I know he liked to uh, smoke a little bit of grass on the side. He did, but but I do think uh, in general he, he he's remembered as a pretty as a fan favorite. But I I think you personally wasted him. You also had Diamond Dallas Page uh, against Christian for the European Championship. Maven, who was the winner of Tough Enough, uh, he beat. Let's see here. Well, he he wrestled Goldust and then for the Harker <laughs> Championship, and then Spike Dudley came in and won it, and then it just became a theme throughout the show. Right. And Christian won it eventually. Holly Holly. Holly Holly won it, <laughs> and it just it spiraled. Kurt Angle defeating Kane in a singles match. The Undertaker, the American Badass Undertaker, beating Ric Flair. Edge over Booker T. Stone Cold over Scott Hall. Billy and Chuck oh my forgot God. about Billy and Chuck oh my God. retaining their tag championships against the Acolyte Protection Agency, the Dudley Boys, and the Hardy Boys. The Rock over Hulk Hogan, Jazz over Lita and Trish Stratus for the Women's Championship, and then Triple H over Chris Jericho for the WWF Undisputed 
World Heavyweight Championship. What was your favorite part about WrestleMania 18? Uh, I, I, my favorite part is now like all the guys who I started being obsessed with are now in the swing. So like my my second swing into wrestling was around 2004. So we're coming up right okay. right on right around that time was when I had my second win with with WWE. So actually, I remember it vividly because it was I just happened to like you know what I'm going to get back into wrestling, and it was right after JBL won the title. So like he won it at Great American Bash on Sunday. And then I just thrusted myself back into wrestling, not knowing anything what was going on. In fact, I didn't know JBL was Bradshaw for like two weeks. It took a while. Yeah, that for took me, me a minute too. You know? yeah. It's like I was like, oh, I'm used to like Texas Bradshaw. Wait, no, no, he's like is he blonde. Yeah, he's blonde. He's got short hair, and he's on Wall Street. Like, what the hell? This is the same Bradshaw. So like, that's when I first got back in. But I, I after getting it back in, I used to like. For Christmas and my birthday, I would ask for these old DVDs like 2002 SummerSlam and 2003 Survivor Series just to get like caught up on what happened beforehand. Um, and, and yeah, just with this WrestleMania, you had all the guys coming in. So like I loved the Hardy Boys. I loved RVD. Booker T was uh, one of my favorite guys in WCW too. So you basically had all the guys who I was obsessed with from like ages 12 to 14 when I got back into wrestling and was probably at my peak interest in wrestling because I understood it more. Um, so th- that was honestly my favorite part was just all the guys who I gravitated towards were essentially involved in this WrestleMania. Yeah, well, I, my favorite part was Hogan and The Rock of and everything about it, and we'll and we'll dive into some of that. But just for some context, so you know, I grew up my the first WrestleMania that I watched live on pay per view as a kid when my my mom ordered it for me was the Macho Man Ric Flair slash I think Hogan, Sid Justice, WrestleMania 8. But I remember becoming a fan in like the late 80s and watching all throughout like the WrestleMania 5, 6, 7, that whole period. Like WrestleMania 6 is one as a kid that I used to get that video all the time and watch Hogan and and the Warrior. And then Attitude Era for me, like I was kind of out a little bit in like 95, 96. And for me, I would have been 10, 11 years old. And then I got back in for the Attitude Era in late 1997. I remember... I I remember starting to watch again, like late summer, early fall, right into the first Hell in a Cell match, and then I was right. hooked. It was like, whoa, yeah. they're doing like Hell in a Cell, and they did a they did a buried alive match earlier this <laughs> there year. Was what a is this ring on fire? Like what? Yeah, the this hell? is crazy. Yeah, who's this mankind guy? <laughs> and Stone Cold hooked me in, and then The Rock hooked me in. So I was a I was a hardcore weekly viewer, never missed anything mm-hmm. from like 1997. Up until probably mid two thousand, I watched for sure WrestleMania two thousand, and then two thousand. Like I was, I was. Now I'm in high school and I'm getting my driver's license yeah. and I'm like hanging out with friends and yeah. meeting a girl once in a while, <laughs> and playing <right>. sports. <laughs> so I did watch sporadically throughout two thousand, and I remember WrestleMania seventeen in two thousand one was the last WrestleMania that I had ordered on pay per view or that. Um, yeah, I think that I think that was it. So I didn't see WrestleMania eighteen, nineteen, twenty, or twenty one. I got back in again for WrestleMania 22 when I was in college with a bunch of college friends. Sure. So that's kind of the concept. So for me, going back and watching this, this is the first time I've ever seen this WrestleMania front to back. Oh, wow. Okay. I've seen clips of like some of the matches, but I've never watched this WrestleMania from front to back. And the Rock and Hulk Hogan is legitimately one of the coolest atmospheres, mm-hmm. crowd reactions, the tension, just everything about the buildup to this match was incredible. And then... The actual like way that they played out the match too was great. All these little false finishes and teases, and there's more to come with this. (laughs) 
both guys kicking out. Oh. We got chills listening to that. Yes. So awesome. And you had the, the the most compelling thing about this match, and I did not realize this until I started reading and then watching this. So Hogan was the heel. And Hogan, like, did a bunch of – him and NWO did a bunch of terrible things to The Rock leading up to this WrestleMania, too. Or, like, I think he took a hammer to, to The Rock's back at one point. Yeah. And they built this up as, like, Hulk Hogan is back. He is still pissed at the WWE fans for for the way they treated him on the way out. And he's going to take down with NWO all these WWF wrestlers that he didn't have a chance to take out in 1997, right? I injected poison with the WWF. <laughs> yeah. And so it's built up as like The Rock is the is the good guy and the movie yep. star, and Hogan is the bad guy. But when they step into the ring, the crowd is going bonkers for Hogan, and some of them are even booing The Rock. So apparently, according to people behind the scenes, because the way you wrestle a match, like, you know, the heel might do certain things and eye gouges and low blows. As they were standing there doing their their look around the crowd iconic moment and they're exchanging words, they weren't actually like exchanging words in trash talk sense. They were actually, The Rock was replanning the match oh. from the perspective of, okay, the crowd is reacting differently than we thought right away. Right. So... Why don't you wrestle as the face, I'll wrestle as the heel, and and we can kind of mix and match as we go. But they changed the way that they were operating as characters throughout the match because of the way the crowd was reacting. That's insane. I did not know that part. That's awesome. And it's, yeah, there's there's some great stuff. There's some great reading about this on the internet if you just Google this match. And you, sure. can, you can tell, too, like, like what Rock was saying where he comes out and then Rock's kind of the heel. But then there's moments, too, where you can tell that, well, it switches, like... Rock's now the face. Like now, now they want Rocky to win. It's pretty. Yeah. It, it's you don't really see that. You don't really see the dynamic like that shift like that. So I don't know. You know so at the end of the match, Hogan does the Hulk up thing. Yeah, which is a total like underdog good guy thing. And I don't know if that was originally planned because I don't think it would have been planned if the crowd was booing him like they should have. Been and booing I, I don't believe he ever did the Hulk up as NWO Hogan and W. I think he got rid of that gimmick. I could be wrong. Maybe he like sprinkled it in, but he didn't. I don't think use the Hulk up as his NWO yeah, Hogan because it's a baby WCW. face move. Yeah, it's like uh, can you imagine like bad like bad guy Ric Flair doing the Hulk up? Like it wouldn't no. make any sense. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And the crowd's going great. Like, yeah. have you ever heard a crowd go that bonkers throughout the course of a match? No, and especially Ridiculous. especially going back and forth. Like, may, maybe Taker and Michaels, but that those were also two faces. Like, yeah. e, like even though uh, Mike Michaels was like the challenger, he was still revered and loved as as almost as much as Taker was. So you didn't really have the dynamic of of that. So I, yeah. I, I think that crowd pop that you hear is is just like live. Re- and I bet it's awesome. I wish I could have been there. Oh my god! So. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the only thing I would nitpick with this match, and, I, and we will play JR's reaction to the end of it, is at the beginning of it when JR is setting this up, you know, Hulk Hogan is the legend of wrestling, and The Rock is the future of the WWF. Like yeah. the WWF past and the WWF future. And this is really like one of The Rocks. Like The Rock did wrestle Stone Cold at WrestleMania 19, mm-hmm. and then I believe he wrestled at WrestleMania 20. 20 as well? I think he did. I think he wrestled, was it Lesnar? Or that might have been Goldberg and Lesnar. He had had a random little pop-up because, which is funny, because at the end of 19, 
that's when Goldberg debuts. Yeah. So Goldberg comes back the Raw after WrestleMania 19, right. spears the Rock as he's going out, and Rock is ba- like Rock is so checked out at that point. He has new entrance music. Like you can just tell, like, all right, this is like Rock's unfortunately run its course, and he's going to go off and doing bigger, yeah. bigger and better things. But I mean, yeah, he's not really the future here. Like he's he's basically has one and a half feet out the door. And, and but, but I think at the time of WrestleMania 18. He did have like he was doing movies, and he eventually missed like three months in the, the the following summer to go promote the Scorpion King. That's right. But I don't think it was viewed at that point as he was going to leave wrestling for movies. I think it was, oh, he's going to do some movies like Roddy Piper did and like Hulk Hogan did, sure. And Stone Cold did a couple movies and TV shows, but then he'll eventually just like keep coming back. Mm-hmm. But he got he actually just got so good at acting and yeah. just kept climbing the ranks. But this is how the match ended. <laughs> Of course, NWO comes out, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, because Hogan, before the match, told them, hey, I want to handle this by myself. Right. So those guys come out, and they start to kick Hogan's ass. The Rock comes back. They fight him off together, and then they do like five minutes of Hogan poses yeah. in the ring. So it, it it is legitimately one of the coolest WrestleMania moments of all time, if not maybe the coolest yeah. up to this point. I, up to this point, I think I think it is. Like I, I have goosebumps right now. I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's definitely right on up there. Like outside, of, I think maybe '98 main event. Like I'm trying to think of other iconic, like goosebumpy popping moments like that. And I don't even know if there is. I think I think it is probably the coolest moment yeah. up to this point. There's some on the horizon. Like oh, yeah. you mentioned, Shawn Michaels. I mean, Shawn Michaels is involved in a few of them. Shawn Michaels Taker. Shawn Michaels Ric Flair is like the all time. Right. There's no way I'm not gonna well up when we play some of those audio clips yeah. of Ric Flair like crying and come on, like br- br- do it, kick me again, do it. So good. So. um yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the only regret is that The Rock the Rock never really fulfilled the rest of his wrestling career. Because mm-hmm. all these guys have 15, 20 years of history and a couple different character turns. And yeah. Stone Cold and The Rock were just like flashes for four or five years. Now, they Stone Cold had been wrestling for 10 years prior to his big boom in WCW and some of the territories and ECW. And then he hits this character gold in 1996-97. But... The Rock and Stone Cold, for as amazing as they are at the top of the wrestling pecking order, their career and popularity in their, you know, it was like 1997 through 2002, and that was, I guess, 2003, and that was kind of it. The Rock came back for a year or two, but that was it. It's interesting if you, like, pulled a fan who was, like, born, like, someone who was born in late 90s or early early 2000s who would only know the Attitude Era if they obviously went back with WWE Network and rewatched it. Because, like, I I think the peak of Stone Cold and The Rock is better than, like, the longevity careers of John Cena, of I agree, Triple dude. H, of, of Batista, of those guys. Like, those guys' peak was better than John Cena winning 17 titles in a 13-year span. Yeah, John Cena became stale very quickly. Very I, quickly. I remember John Cena started to become stale in, like, 2007, mm-hmm. and then... Had a couple character twists in there, but mostly was just the guy wearing jorts for 10 years, yeah. cutting the same lines and giving the same sort of kid-friendly bubblegum-type promos. Yeah. But when he really wanted to cut, like, 
that dude can cut a promo. Yes. But it just kind of became this, I don't know, caricature of itself. Yeah, so they, I cannot put John Cena on the same level as Stone Cold or The Rock. I agree. I, I, I think, you know, they, they, they morphed him out of the basically the wankster role. And by the time he by the time he got the, his first title, like it just kind of. Yeah, they even turned on him. I think by the next year there was starting to be boo birds. And he had a couple pops when, you know, he had his injury. He comes back at the Royal Rumble. Like that's probably one yeah. of even his pinnacle of his careers when he comes back to that Royal Rumble and wins it at Madison Square Garden. But yeah, he he kind of got stale, and and he even though he's he's done movies now, he's I would say he's he's like Diet Rock. Like he's not as successful as The Rock, obviously, but he's gone off and done bigger and better things, and people know like common folk know him. Um, but it, it definitely is interesting that the peak of Stone Cold and Rock is really only like three or four years, if mm-hmm. that, and then guys like John Cena and Triple H were around for fifteen to twenty years. I think that this was The Rock's. Peak WrestleMania moment. It had too. to. Well, yes, yes, it probably is because I mean he well, lo- he he did beat Stone Cold at the next WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But so he won the back to back against Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold. Yeah, but I think this probably trumps that. I think because th- he also lost like the previous two main events, three in a row. He lost, I think, three in a row from ninety nine two thousand oh one. He was in the main event and lost. Yeah. He was a he was a. A heel in '99, and then was a face in both 2000 and 2001. But yeah, this this is his WrestleMania moment, hmm. and then he obviously gets the second one. You know, 12 years later with Cena. But oh. but yeah, it is. It, it definitely is his moment. Stone Cold versus Scott Hall. Let's spend a second on this yeah. one. Okay. So this was actually supposed to be Stone Cold versus Hogan. That's the 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 the, the main event or the main like second tier match on this card was supposed to be Stone Cold versus Hulk Hogan. But Stone Cold, and he's talked about this publicly, Stone Cold thought Hulk Hogan wasn't going to be able to keep up in the ring anymore That Hulk, because Hulk mm. had been off for a couple of years, and he wasn't in a great spot with the company at that point. He had just And, and Stone Cold then no-showed a couple of Monday Night Raws in May of, or might have even been like earlier than that, pretty quickly after WrestleMania. He was just on bad terms creatively with Vince McMahon, and then he went away for a long time and got buried by the announcers and stuff, and eventually came back and righted the ship for a 2003 main event against The Rock. But um, you had, I think the most, like what stood out to me is you had Stone Cold's music hit, he comes out, and then right away the NWO music hits as well. And to have those two songs, Mm -hmm. even though it was Scott Hall instead of Hulk Hogan, it would have been more fitting if it was the head of the WWF's Attitude Era against the head of the WCW's NWO right. push. But but you had NWO and Stone Cold meeting for the first time here on a big stage, and I thought I thought that was pretty cool symbolically, even if it wasn't Hulk Hogan. Yeah, the, the match in the match isn't isn't horrible either. And in fact, I, I he has a great stunner at the the last one that he gives to Scott Hall. Is that the best stunner bump of all time? Oh my god! Yeah, like Scott Hall bounces back like six feet. It, it is a whole. <laughs> it, it, it probably like plays better on video than it does on audio, but. It it actually turns out to be a halfway decent match, and I know Scott Hall. Scott Hall has had an extremely rocky relationship with WWE and, and substance abuse and stuff too. But I still think he actually him and Stone Cold did pretty well. And and look, Stone Cold, although his tricks have always been on the microphone, like his wrestling ability is pretty subpar. Like you know, in, in my opinion, it really is. It's not impressive. He has the great he has great moments and great matches. It's, it's injuries. He yeah. was he was a better worker up until the the neck injury against yeah. Owen. So like you yeah. you can tell like he's got the stunner, which is probably the most iconic finisher of all time, and he likes to stomp a mud hole. But he really doesn't have much else in his repertoire. He doesn't have much in his tool bag to like show off and what he can do. So, and even um 
I, or I wrote it down too. He has, I think, the worst spine buster of, and that's probably due to his, <laughs> probably because of his injuries. But he has the worst attempt at a spine buster where it's just him, and then he just lets him drop. Like I, I Triple H has a great spine buster, Batista. And even in my notes, Arn Anderson coming out in that Taker wow. match. I mean, Arn Anderson was part of a tag team literally called the Brain Busters yeah. one time. So he's he comes out and delivers like one of the best spine busters I've ever seen at age. I'm sure in his fifties, there yeah. on Undertaker who can sell anything. But it, it, his his moves it was always kind of like well, especially towards the end. But I, I think in general, it is a it, it's it's a solid match. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it was. It's. It was more symbolic than anything else. And like, like you highlighted the Scott Hall stunner bump at the end. It's. It's the best anyone has ever <laughs> taken a stunner. He just. He just like slinkies. Not slinkies. He like springboards his way off the mat. Yeah. And up in the air with like a limp dead body. Just amazing. <laughs> uh, Flair versus Undertaker. You know, if this match. Well, and they did have a feud in the early '90s when Flair. Flair's first run in the WWF. So they did have that feud. But both guys get busted open. It wouldn't be a classic Flair match if there wasn't just blood flowing into his blonde locks. Yeah. But it just kind of like Flair was so limited by this point. Mm-hmm. And, and and eventually he gets a little bit of a rejuvenation with evolution. But, you know, this he it's amazing to think that as limited as he was in this match, he's basically only giving you punches and chops. And yeah. that's it. And that that's his offense for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. just punches, chops, and woo. Yeah. And and he still wrestled for like six or seven more years, right? Or yeah. like at least five or six more years. I don't think his retirement match was until like oh eight. Yeah, five or six there. more years, and then he went. Unfortunately, went to TNA and and even embarrassed That's himself right. more there. Unfortunately, um, but yeah, I, I felt this match was it was just way too long. And like and Taker uh, at this point is like he becomes a little bit of a heel. Um, I know he wins he wins the title like just like a next month, I believe, at Judgment Day. So he yeah. has a, he has a title reign that comes up, but. I thought in general the match, yeah, eighteen forty-seven according to Wikipedia, like way too long. Like make you can make this ten, twelve minutes, but six. It, it was it just dragged on. It just wasn't necessary. Yeah. So, and that brings us to the main event: Triple H versus Chris Jericho for the undisputed WWF Championship. Triple H winds up pedigreeing Stephanie McMahon in this match, yeah. which was amazing. Oh yeah, this was probably Triple H's. He's had a couple borderline WrestleMania moments because he's definitely like. You know, he came away as a heel with the title before, but as a when I think WrestleMania moment, I think good guy, I think championship, mm-hmm. and I think main event. And if you can put those three things together, like it's a WrestleMania moment. And so this was Triple H's big WrestleMania moment. He worked most of his career as a heel after this. Yeah. And still mostly works as a heel whenever he comes back. Yeah. But where where, where for you, this is my question off this match. Jericho versus Triple H, two legends, right? Yeah. Where, if, if you take wrestlers from like 1990 going forward, so I'm actually going to take Ric Flair off the board because he was he was great in the 80s. So let's take like 1990 going forward, so the peak of Hulkamania going forward. Where do Triple H and Chris Jericho rank for you on the pecking order of superstars? Mm. I'll give you some names to think about. Yeah, yeah. give me some. Let's say, I need some names here. So Stone Cold. Yeah. The Rock, obviously. Shawn Michaels. John Cena. I'm going to put Macho Man in there. Go for it. Macho Man. Triple I'll put, H. I'll put Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Ooh, Bret Hart. Bret Hart. He's in the discussion for sure. Um, Triple H, Jericho, Undertaker. Yep, we got to get Taker in there. Triple H. Ooh, this is tough. I, I, I love, I mean, I, Jericho, you can make a case, can cut the best promo of all these guys. I agree. I, he he oh, the, is. The Rock is. The Rock's Jericho there. cuts a better promo than Stone Cold. Yeah, he definitely does. Jericho's unbelievable. And, and. 
plays the heel so damn well. Like he, he loves being loves being the heel. His, in fact, his and when he comes when he makes a WF debut, that's that's like one of the best debuts of all time when he comes. I'll Finally put, arrives at I'll put Edge Lesnar yeah. in here. Edge oh, Lesnar. I guess Goldberg has to be part of this discussion. Yeah, unfortunately. He's probably not. <laughs> I would probably go with Triple H. Triple H is, is is above Jericho for me. I think like by a lot. Okay. Um I I think Jericho, although the first undisputed champion, as he loves to say, um, I don't really know if he gets the respect that the majority of these guys get. I think Chris Jericho is, when compared to all these other guys, he's sort of like, there's sort of a Tory Hunter quality. He's there you go. Hall of very good. Yep. Hall of longevity and moments of greatness. Yeah, I, I think if in the moments when he was wrestling and when he was undisputed champion and whatnot. I think we probably took it for granted a little bit. So then when you zoom back out, you know, in 2020 and you look at, man, you kind of look at the run he had there. It was pretty damn successful. Like, yeah. One's the king of the ring, first undisputed champion. He's actually couple the other title reigns too. Kurt Angle's in this discussion, but yep. he, I think for Chris Jericho, he is the king of being able to reinvent his character every five to seven years. I, that is that is probably, of all these guys, he did that the best. I mean, it's not even close. If, we're, if you're looking at reinventing himself, yeah, I mean, from Y2J... Uh, into the code breaker, weird guy cuts all of his hair off. He's a rocker at one point, and now in the list, the, the list, list guy. the god dang list. I love the list, and now in TNA, Le champion, Le champion. Like he definitely, if if in terms of the pecking order of of who was able to reinvent themselves for the better, he's number one. I, I really don't know if anyone else reinvented themselves better than him. That's- HBK maybe. But, like, HBK just had, like, a horrible back injury and, and was able to still be good, but he wasn't the same wrestler. But he was mostly yeah. the same heartbreak kid. I mean, he was called the heartbreak kid into his 40s. So, like, so he was still that, where Jericho Y2J is just, like, one of the many monikers of his. Like, I think it's probably the most iconic, but it, it it's one of many. I would say at the bottom of the list of reinvention, Randy Orton. Oh, God, I can't, I can't stand Randy Orton. And John Cena. Yeah. And Literally the same two characters that we saw 15 years ago. And then I would, the same two characters. And then I would put Goldberg right up there, too, because Goldberg can't do anything. No. Like, he's just, he spears, he jackhammers, and he says, who's next? Yeah. That's all. He's like, that, is, <laughs> that is Bill Goldberg in, in a nutshell. But, yeah, I, I, I would say in terms of, reinv- like, if you're just asking pecking order of, of wrestling greatness, he probably is in the middle of these guys. That's fair. But if if you're asking promo and reinventing himself, he's in a class of his own. That's, he really that, that's is. a fair assessment. Yeah, I think a fair it is. assessment. So after a couple months here, so WrestleMania takes place in mid March. You get the fallout of Triple H is the good guy for a few months. He actually loses the title at one point, and then Shawn Michaels comes back to TV, and those guys are buddy buddy again, ready to bring back DX. And I think Eric Bischoff had become the commissioner of Raw at that point, yeah. and after the brand split. And then Triple H turns heel on Shawn Michaels, and that sets up Shawn Michaels' return. So this is all sort of this WrestleMania all sort of paves the path for all of those storylines in 2002. Uh, fun facts from listener Mike. He just sent this in here, and I'm I'm just going to read chunks of this. I have not read this yet. So because of a lack of competition, the poor post 9/11 and a bungled WCW ECW invasion angle, the WWF's business was down in 2002 for the first time in a long time. Really. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon's creative direction was a bit stale. Well, that's shocking to me. That's shocking. <laughs> and still is, by the way. Yes. With contracts from ex-WCW talent finally expired, it was a no-brainer for McMahon to bring back talent like Ric Flair, 
and Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. Nash was 43 with over a dozen knee injuries. Hall was 45 at the time with numerous stints in rehab over the previous few years for his substance abuse problems. And Hogan was 48 and had plenty of knee and back injuries himself. All three had bad reputations, too, with Hogan and Nash being political manipulators who had already done harm to the careers of wrestlers in WCW that were now in WWF. And wrestlers weren't thrilled with Hall coming in either. Road Dogg and Eddie Guerrero had both been released in 2001 for their substance issues, and William Regal was taking weekly drug tests for his past alcohol abuse. <laughs> Many in the locker room felt Scott Hall wasn't worth the baggage that he would bring. Uh, people were really surprised to see that Jericho became the first undisputed champion ahead of Austin and The Rock. In reality, it made sense as he was just a it, as he was just a transitional champion to get the belts on Triple H, yeah. who had been out injured, and The Rock and Austin weren't just going to lose to Triple H clean, nor did McMahon want them to. However, it made sense since Jericho could lose to Triple H and still be a significant player in the promotion, while Triple H could be right there with The Rock and Austin as the top act in the company. Interesting. By the way, this was the like he has iconic uh, WrestleMania entrances. This is by far Triple H's worst because sl- Saliva is a horrible band. He, yeah, like, it, it was it. It is his worst WrestleMania entrance, and he has some amazing ones. This was horrible. It was it like they did this horrible rendition of "Time to Play the Game." So basically, they're like, and it actually even sounded like they they were ad libbing like Motorhead's version of "Time to Play the Game" with then like sl- Saliva's version of the song. And, like, you can tell because it's in a sky dome, so, like, the acoustics have to be dog bleep. It just doesn't have the same feel when normally if it was just his regular entrance music, the pr- crowd would probably go even, even crazier. And he's yeah. ripped. Like, this is – I know he has the Dude, quad he's injury. he's jacked. He yeah, is it's ridiculous. In terms of body physique, he is at his peak right here. He yeah. is so flipping ripped in, the, in this scene. I agree with that. Uh, the Hogan-Rock match might be one of the most famous wrestling matches of all time and is very high on the list of the greatest WrestleMania matches ever, not necessarily for the match itself, but it's a great example of how a crowd can make wrestling as great as it is. The story has always been Hogan pulled a bit of a fast one on The Rock and played the babyface role without telling him, which forced The Rock to heal it up during the match and reverse roles in front of the rabid crowd. So that's when they sort of uh, you know, made that swap. Of course, The Rock went over clean, leading to an angle post-match where Nash and Hall effectively broke up the NWO. In reality, during WrestleMania week in Toronto, Hogan was getting incredible reactions that nobody, even Hogan himself, hadn't foreseen. McMahon made the call the day before the show not to change the match outcome, but get Hogan to turn face at the show and scrap the NWO reunion. Hmm. Hogan took the WWF private jet to his home in Tampa, grabbed all his old red and yellow gear because he was going to come out on Raw in Montreal the next night, after Mania as the real American again, and didn't get back to Toronto until 2 a.m. the day of the show. Uh, hilariously, the day of, of Raw, McMahon was talked out of having Hogan come out in the red and yellow, uh, making the trip to Tampa useless, only to change his mind and have Hogan do the real American nostalgia gimmick and beat Triple A to the next pay-per-view for the titles anyways. Huh. So those are your... I'm trying to see if there's anything else here. Oh, uh, Lesnar debuted... The yep. next night on Raw. That's right. He comes out and, and literally kill. I don't know how Spike though, doesn't have like brain damage or spine That's damage right. from the seven power bombs he took from Brock Lesnar. That's right. What was your match that stole the show for this uh, one? It, I mean, it's it's definitely Rock and and uh, Rock, Rock and Hogan. But what if we took that one off? I, let's say it's co-main events. Right. I mean, I honestly really enjoyed the four corner tag team match. I actually thought that was pretty solid. 
I, I did too. I, I, I agree it was with actually you. a really solid match. I kind of forgot how absolutely absurd the Billy and Chuck angle was by the Dude, WWF. Think about okay that tag match. So the, so Billy and Chuck was like a boy band tag team, yeah. which is kind of funny. Yes, but and I don't know if all these guys are for sure in the Hall of Fame, but all of them are like Hall of Fame level iconic performers, except oh, yeah. Chuck. Yeah, except Chuck Palumbo. Oh, you yeah. had you had Billy Gunn, you had Bradshaw and Farouk, the Dudley Boys, and the Hardys. Like, yeah, just a crazy amount of talent in that match. Everyone in there is definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, one hundred percent, except Chuck. Except Chuck. But uh, even as we're wrapping, as as he mentioned, how the business was down in O two. There's a gr- yeah, great. I think it, it's honestly a, a really it make, makes you feel proud uh, to be an American, which is sometimes hard to do right now. But the first promo after nine eleven. At SmackDown, because that was the first real gathering after 9-11, was a SmackDown that aired, I believe, two days later? It, wow. might, it might have been a week later. I'm sure they probably maybe delayed it a week later, but Vince McMahon comes out and cuts this, like, unreal, like, proud-to-be-an-American promo. Yeah. And it, it, and it is, like, gets you in your feels a little bit of, like, oh, man, this is what this used to feel Let's like check when, that out. When, when you have to do it. But, yeah, it is funny that their business did kind of dwindle a little bit, and this is where McMahon gets stale. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your WrestleMania ranking here? The rankings to this point, we have three tied with an 8 out of 10 ranking. WrestleMania 17, 14, and 10. And then we have three that are either 7 or 7.5. WrestleMania 13, 15, and 6. Hmm. 1 I, through 10 score. I probably would give this a solid 8. It, it, it's I, I, I want to creep towards 9 because I don't really think there's nothing disastrous about this WrestleMania. You know, it's it's it. You now just have to accept the fact all these manias are going to be now north of four hours. Like that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. So if you're asking that they're well, it's too long. It's like well, buckle up because it's going to get even worse in terms yeah. of length. But I think uh, the the iconicness of of Rock and Hogan, Triple H versus Jericho is is not like the prettiest of main events, but it's an iconic moment for Triple H. I would give this a solid eight and a half. Actually, I'll I'll just go eight wow. and a half because I'm going. I was gonna go. Uh, yeah, I, I was gonna go either an eight and a half or a nine. Yeah. You know, I'll just make it an even eight and a half with you. Okay, or an uneven eight and a half. Yeah, I, I think it. Like in terms of the main as we've done, it's it's what it would be probably top three. It's the top one. It would it's be the number, top one. It's a number. Okay, I'm okay know. with that. It yeah. had it had icons everywhere. I mean, everyone from Ric Flair to the Undertaker to Stone Cold Rock Hogan. Chris Jericho, Triple H, like everybody was part of this WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels was about the the lone exception in Bret Hart, yeah. really. Like, it was just a who's who of that era of wrestling and some future stars, too. And you had great storylines. You had a great finish. I think Triple H going over as a fan favorite. Yeah. The moment with, with – you had one of the most iconic moments ever with Hulk Hogan and The Rock, so – it's an eight point five, yeah, for and, all those reasons. And it's a phenomenal. I, I forgot how good this call. Uh, like, I always, I'm shocked by Jr. with all these great calls, but the call of the Triple H win is well, absolutely money. Let's walk off with this one. Some some classic Jr. here. We'll see you next time on WrestleMania Rewind. Jericho, 